Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hello, I'm Evelyn Uribe and I was part of the production team on The Estate. Welcome to our very first bonus episode of the season. Today, you will listen to the extended version of the final interview we did with Calvin Jones. Back in April of last year, Angelina and our editor, Jasmine Romero, had a profound conversation with Calvin. They explored the intricate layers of his relationship with his best friend, Rosie Estrada. In this interview, Calvin opens up about their friendship, revealing how their connection went beyond friends. They were brothers. And how Rosie continues to play a significant role in his life, even today. Enjoy the episode. Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's so important that we have your voice at the end of this series because you are the witness. You are the testifier as to what happened during that time. So my first question is, who was Rosie Estrada? 
he was a very intellectual, loving, sometimes disturbing, qualified, caring individual. What did he mean to you? Who was Rosie to you, to Calvin? Was he a friend? Was he a brother? Was he a business partner? Was he a pain in the ass? I mean, what, what was he to you, Calvin? It was all those things and more, you know, <laughs> we'll put it this way. Uh, it's kind of hard to, to really express feelings about someone you care about and be honestly and openly about it. I mean, for an older Black man in his late 70s, it's kind of hard to express feelings towards an individual. So I'll do my best to say that as far as an individual and a friend, he was like a brother to me. We became brothers. But at the same time, he was also a visionary for our time. You got to remember this setting takes place about, what, 50 years ago? And it was a visionary for human rights, just a social rights and also, he was a person who wanted to achieve something in life and have some kind of a legacy that he could leave behind, not for just his family, but for other people. Can you describe a little bit to me about what made him a visionary to you? Well, I could say like a visionary as far as 50-something years ago, we at one of the first computers. We didn't know how to work it, but we was trying to put our business on a computer model. I mean, I didn't even know what a computer was. We didn't even know how to run a computer, but he saw it as a future. And this was 55 years ago. And we bought a computer that we didn't know how to work. So that's what I meant by a visionary. And he convinced me that it was going to be the future. Like we also uh, looked at the alarm systems for smoke detectors back then. We were trying to get involved in that because we saw the future of alarm. I mean, just things like that that we were talk about the future, futuristic. And today they're coming. But back then, no one had a computer. You know? So what about him and his ideas made you believe him, made you follow along and say, okay, this guy isn't just crazy talking out of his mind. He's a visionary. Well, we like, he thought about the fact of us getting involved in politics, and we did. And we became, he became the first Mexican-American who was a legal assistant, well, not illegal, but assistant to a, a county supervisor. They gave us access and other people access directly to a supervisor. So, I mean, those kind of things that, you know, then we were, it was the first legislative uh, aid in Sacramento to, a, to assemblyman. But not only, he didn't use it just for his purposes, but also like community people he would invite to the city hall, to the board of supervisors. 
we have Mexican-American blacks coming and meeting their representative in the office before they never had done that in this town. So those kind of things that I seen in him, that it wasn't just something that he would set back and say, this is for me, but he would open those offices and those things to the community. He would, you know, first time people would come up. Most people never, ever got involved or sat in front, you know, come to the uh, city hall and sat down in the supervisor's office or the county board of supervisors. Or we had access to judge stuff like that back then. Rosie was talking about things that no one else was talking about. But even more than that, he was doing things that no one else was doing. Uh, yes. In our particular area of uh, persuasion, say in San Joaquin County and Stockton, those things weren't heard of and they weren't being done. And, we, and he kind of opened it up to people that had never had access to those type of settings. Let's say you have a magic wand right now and you were never incarcerated and, you know, Rosie isn't dead. What would you say was like the dream, the vision, the ideal outcome of where you two would be at right now? Uh, we would probably, instead of Elon Musk trying to buy Twitter, we would be trying to buy it because that would be something that would be interesting to us and it would have a base to speak and a platform to address a lot of issues that we probably would be involved in. Like, you know, immigration, those kind of issues. Uh, Calvin, another thing that I'm hearing that when you talk about Rosie and what he was doing and why you believed in him, is this like need to advocate and to speak up for others and to improve your social status and fight for justice? Am, am I am I like making that up or or is that something no. that was really important? It's just that that he spoke up about it. We participated in those programs. We marched with Cesar Chavez, Dolores Huerta. We were part of the union, the movement back in the days. We're part of the. Uh, the Black Panther Party. We march with those, with Martin Luther King in small, but not with him directly, but in Stockton areas. We participated back then in those type of movements that wasn't very, how can I say, they weren't common like they are today. So with us marching in the fields with Cesar Chavez, it caused us a lot of political heat. You know, so those kind of things. Why'd you do it? Why were you marching? Why were you and Rosie out there? Why was that important to you? Because we've seen people suffering. I mean, we, you know, we saw them suffering. And we ourselves had suffered in life. We didn't come up with, you know, with a lot of monies. And, and we understood suffering. It was the right thing to do. I would say. We see people suffering every day. 
and people don't do anything about it. Why? Why did you and Rosie feel like you had to do something about it? I guess that's just the way God made us. It's just something that we honestly felt in our heart was wrong. And we know it was wrong because you could see it was wrong. And we felt like, why not? Why not be involved in our community and humanity for people? And we both had that same feeling with each other. Back then, it wasn't called social justice, but we made those determinations that it was more important for us to to help people than financing. I mean, you know, it was a hard, it was a hard decision, but we did it. Rosie Estrada was honorable, loyal, caring. And once he decided to be a part of something he was all in, regardless of the outcome. He was just a very good human being to me. I'll put it that way. I hear you talking a lot about how loyal Rosie was. Is there a, a story that comes to mind when you think of that or a reason? What's the reason that you keep saying that? You could tell when someone is really loyal to you or you are loyal to him and you don't, they don't have to tell you every day or refresh you know but it's just the way we he carried himself like in say if uh domestically I was having a problem he would be caring enough to kind of talk to you and he would be sincere about it then on the other end we had financial problems his advice would be always caring. Always would be, how could I say it? It was just there that you felt it and you knew it. It was there, but you just knew that regardless if you took his advice or not, the advice he gave you was sincere from his heart, what he thought was. It wasn't just to please me or to over. It was something that he honestly believed. And that's the best kind of friend a person you could have is someone that would tell you the truth of how they feel. As far as, I'm talking about me. What's the thing that you wish that Alex understood about Rosie? First of all, that's his father. And he's a spitting, he's exactly like him. Alex got to remember that he is a, I would say, closest to any one of the family members closest to Rosie and, and their demeanor and their drive to get something done, their persistence, uh, their intellect. And their forethought of, you know, like, they're they just alike to me. But Alex don't understand that yet. Families have a lot going on. 
Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Another question that I have for you, Calvin, is um, what do you think made Rosie special? If there was like one thing, like one trait that you were like, oh, that's Rosie Estrada, what do you think it would be? confrontational. He would address and he would have his opinions on just about everything. And he didn't mind telling you his opinions. Calvin, do you miss Rosie? Uh, I miss him a lot. Why do you miss him? I miss him because I know that without all the things that he had went through, that his legacy would be a lot different from what it is today. Because so much more could have been accomplished if this incident and these things wouldn't have came about in his life. What do you think his legacy would have been? Like a school named after him, but the school would be productive, would be meaningful, would be educational would be a good school to go to where people was trying to get in, not just in name. Those kind of, you know, that's what I feel. Or, you know, just wouldn't be a name or a building. The building itself and what it stood for would mean something to the community today. You said that you miss Rosie. When was the last time you really, really missed him? Well, the day after he passed, the day he passed, I was talking to him on the phone. He was in the hospital, and I was on the phone in the penitentiary, and we were talking, and he was telling me, complaining about how the hospital wasn't taking care of me. He was in Manteca, and I was, well, hey, you're at the hospital. Let him take care of you. He was ready to go home. And he told me, you call him back tomorrow, he'll be at home, you know. So that, I mean, I was, through the grace of God, I got a chance to speak to him the day before he passed. And that's very something that I always remember. 
and I missed his voice talking to him. This kind of goes with this burning question I've always had, Calvin. What's that? You, you would call him. You would call him all the time right. from the penitentiary. I'm like, what did? Why did you call him? Like, what were you two talking about? Uh, we talk about what people talk about. What do you talk about with your girlfriends? <laughs> I mean, like, what's going on? <laughs> I mean, we would just talk about, you know, different people, what they were doing, how his family was. He would stay in contact with my family. We'd talk about politics. We would talk about just to talk to each other, stay in communication. He would make sure I was doing all right, you know, the best I could do. And I was trying to make sure that he, you know, the things he was involved with, I stayed appraised of him. And uh, and he asked me my advice on a lot of stuff that he was still doing as far as things he was trying to do downtown, as far as building and different things. So business-wise, we stayed in contact with each other, talked about things, all kind of stuff. But why did you do, like, why was that important to you? What did that mean to you? It meant that... I still had some contact with with the reality of life on the outside. And it kept me involved with the moment. And it took me away for maybe half an hour from my life as I had came to know it. It gave me a different uh a moment of something totally different from what my life was. Did it give you peace, hope? Well, mostly hope. It wasn't hope. I always knew I was going to get out. It was just a matter of time. Uh, but it, it reinforced that hope. I'll put it that way, you know. Calvin, when did you find out that Rosie had passed? Uh, the next day I called. Maybe a day or two after I called. I think his wife picked up his cell phone when I called, and I talked to her. I'm pretty sure that's what it was, that she had got his cell phone, and I called, and she picked the phone up, and she answered it, and she told me. And what did you feel? Uh, wow. That's a hard emotion to kind of explain. I mean, I felt a loss. Well, I don't know, just a loss, total loss. I was wondering why. Why, you know, couldn't wait for a couple more days till I got out. Why it had to happen like it happened. Yeah, but then I was appreciative of the fact that I did get a chance to talk to him. So it was was a like, well, it was like my brother passing. I never had a brother, but it was like my brother had passed. It wasn't just a friend, it was a family member who had passed. That was a close family member. That's how I felt. Well, if you if you could talk to Rosie one last time, what would you want to? Say to him. 
I would say to him that, well, I see him, I would see him in a whole different light than what it is today. Because I know he would have achieved a lot, a few more things between now and the time he had passed. So, I mean, I would tell him that first, thanks for being a great friend, that our plight is not over. We still, even at our age, we still have a lot to do. And it's durable. And again, thank him for being there for me and my family, being the same person that he was the day I met him, as far as I was concerned. And thank him for being not changing. Because you'll be surprised how many people change when you when you go away to prison. Thank you so much for that, Calvin. I, thank you again for all of this. If you could say, like you're addressing Rosie, if you're hearing this or Rosie, if you're looking down on us, a message you might have for him. I would say, Rosie, you fought a good fight and you left. I know that you will always be remembered because even today, people are trying to still figure out who you are, what you were, and they haven't forgot about it. And just you, uh, your presence is something that I believe will be everlasting, even if it's not just to anyone else except your family, because you left something there for them to remember you about, good, bad, whatever. They have a reason to want to know and understand who their father was and his purpose in life was. Thank you for listening. A second bonus episode will be coming your way next week. If you enjoyed our podcast, please help us with a five-star rating, write a review, and share it with your friends. The state is available for you to listen wherever you get your podcast.